The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Hey there, folks. This is Kristen Williams with the Trans Advocate Podcast, and today we have... Robin Mack. And Alexis, at least most of these here. <laughs> well, thank you for turning, tuning in for another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. Uh, today we have a review of the news affecting the, our community and we're also going to look at how we as a community deal with community blowback. Uh, but before we do that, we have a new segment called the Trans Advocate Q&A. The Trans Advocate Q&A is a segment where we answer your questions. If you'd like to submit a question, go to our contact page at transadvocate.com and send it in. Today's question is, quote, I'm pre-transition and my gender dysphoria makes my life miserable. I'm not in a position to transition yet, so how do I deal with my dysphoria? Answering today's question is Kristen Williams, and she writes, Basically, I've handled gender dysphoria in the same way I've handled PTSD after a sexual assault. From what I've seen, working with gender dysphoria like one might work with PTSD can help. Judging myself didn't help. Being compassionate with myself helped. Part of what that looked like was honoring what my limits were having boundaries, and engaging in self-care. For me, I was never able to command myself to feel differently, especially with something as visceral as PTSD or gender dysphoria. I found that a great deal of my suffering was caused by my unskillful strategy of trying to force myself to somehow feel different. Letting go of trying to control something like PTSD or gender dysphoria through force of will, and instead honoring the fact that my emotional scars were very real, and that they can and do hurt from time to time, was a lot like putting down a bag of bricks that I've been carrying around. Gender dysphoria is part of the trans experience. There's no way around that. For me, self-care looked like being judicious with the people who I chose to invest my time and attention in. I needed to know that they would understand that I really did suffer terribly with gender dysphoria, and that it meant that I had to make accommodations for that reality. For me, Working with either PTSD or gender dysphoria looked like learning to be aware of what was going on emotionally inside my body. For me, I took up a practice of meditation because I found that trying to force PTSD or gender dysphoria to be something other than what it was made everything worse. I've noticed some do well with meditation, while others connect to their body states in a more kinetic way, such as running or painting. The point is that as I learned the contours of my pain, the less it seemed to be an enemy. As the relationship with my pain became less adversarial, the more I was able to tolerate, understand, and skillfully engage with it, and listen to the truths my heart was trying to tell me. So much of the media landscape focuses on transition as if it was all about pills and surgeries. Pills and surgeries are the easy part of transition. The hard part is doing the emotional work. A skillful mental health professional, a support network, listening to my needs, learning boundaries, and self-care is what helped me get through my transition. So, U.S. News, right? So, the POTUS could, just could, had could, a... Could we do something like Antarctica News? I'm trying to uh, think of something that doesn't have bad news some, for something, us. Well, so, um, the, the big takeaway that I had from last night's State of the Union address is that our president doesn't seem to understand that MS-13, the gang, is an American gang. Well, are you sure? Yes, I am sure. Huh. It was formed in um, uh, Los Angeles in the 80s. 
and then propagated south. Yes, yes, so, and so, north. So, so and no wonder Mexico was going to pay for the wall because they wanted to keep. No, the no, no, Americans no, no, out no, no, no. <laughs> Trump was very clear about that last night. Uh, U.S. taxpayers are going to pay for the wall. I love how he's not saying Mexico oh. will pay for it. Still, they made that yes, clear. Yes, yes, yes. So and he figured this out finally. Yes, he, he's they gonna, weren't paying for it. Yeah. The, the American taxpayers are going to pay for it because Dreamers, according to him, they're MS-13 gang members, and uh, American citizens are Dreamers, too. That was his line. So American citizens are MS-13 gang members, if you look at it. That way. <laughs> I mean, I, I well, you're not supposed to apply logic. I did not this. watch <laughs> this know, the State of the Union because I really <laughs> felt like I didn't want to be disgusted any more than I already was. Well, and he kept on saying that, you know, he he's using his authority to ensure that, you know, we are all unified and we're all going to be taken care of. And all that was going through my head was, yeah, but, you know, you're the person whose administration is making it hell for queer children in school. You know, you're the administration who's making it difficult for people like me to uh, confidently get health care. You know, I, I know you watch movies sometimes, and I know you watch television sometimes, and I know you probably watch, oh, I don't know, Prohibition era, era gangster movies. <laughs> the word taken care of. <laughs> and, you know. Bringing it back. When yeah, America was great. This, know, is what we really, this is what we really meant. Taking care of them is not exactly... A positive thing. <laughs> well, My how maybe, terminology changes over decades. Yeah, well, and, may, and maybe that's well, that's actually sort of the air he seems to come out of frequently. So maybe that's what he's talking. I about. loved how Hillary was like exactly which year would be great again, Donald. <laughs> well, so you know the Democrats, of course, being forward-thinking, forward-looking, look back to find a Kennedy to give the uh, you know counter thing the 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 response the democratic response the state of the union so joe kennedy um now just i mean the optics of that i thought were classic democrat you know we're back to prohibition era gangster <laughs> movies again is, is this like a theme for the i mean state of the okay union or so because... you know you've got black lives matter you have all this populist kind of thing. What are we going to do? We are going to lift up the symbol of our past and our history, the Kennedys, and we're going to contrast that with Trumpism. And I thought, you know, that th just the optics of that seem problematic. Having said that, I listened to his speech also, which was very polished, very good. I thought, oh, it's something with the Kennedy blood, it's like, you know, no, natural born orator. A whole lot of people who train them how to do exactly, that. Exactly, right. If you take enough classes and get enough help, then you do wonderfully. And, and he's had it all of his life. So I want to read this little piece. Um, he's, I'm not going to go through this the whole piece, but basically his, his deal was, okay, you know, they are turning American life into a zero-sum game where another, 
in order for one to win and another to lose. So he goes through this contrasting, blah, blah, blah. We can take care of sick kids, but we have to sacrifice dreamers, blah, 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 blah. And he gets down to this part, and I thought this was really interesting for this particular climate, Trumpism, as if the parent who lies awake terrified that their transgender son will be beaten or bullied at school is any more or less legitimate than the parent whose heart is shattered by a daughter in the grips of an opioid addiction. I thought, wow, you know, it, it's, it's just nice to get a shout out somehow in all of this mess. Um, you know, that, that was kind of nice. I appreciated that. But it's going to remain true until Trump's out of office. Well, of course. Because he's of course. not going to do much to work on the opioid addiction problem. Even well, he, he said, he said, he, he, he promised, oh, he's totally going to take care of it all. It's was, all going to be... paying for the wall again? Did I miss uh, something the, here? The American public. And mm -hmm. he's going to get all that land through, uh, you know, eminent domain. He's going to yeah. take all those that land from American citizens. But, you know, it's all for the greater good. Okay. <laughs> I mean... In, there was a time not too many days ago when I, I mentioned the fact that, you know, perhaps we should uh, float the idea that what we are talking about is a wall of security. <laughs> yeah, no, he wants We've got a say, wall, well, you know, but, as but, in but, but, like but Pink he does, Floyd. <laughs> he does have some flexibility if you're the last person that sees him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, too much. The problem is that Miller's the last person who usually sees him. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's really, a problem. <laughs> I really think Miller is so valuable and so interesting, he should go on a world tour. <laughs> go see every country that we've ever talked to. <laughs> That's right. And spend a couple months each place. You know, I mean, why not? You really need to get to know all the people and, and, and bring the American opinions to all these countries. <laughs> Well, he probably it, doesn't even need security or an entourage. He's so good. And uh, um, I know that we've got the Texas primaries and stuff yeah, coming speaking up. Speaking of the power of voting, we have the primaries coming up March 6th. So if you want to register to vote in the primary, your deadline is going to be February 5th. Well, so that's coming up real quick. Yeah, the runoffs are May 22nd. And the registration deadline for that is April 23rd. But as Alexis has brought up, you pretty much only have to register once for a really long time. So get to the transadvocate.com slash US dash register dash to vote. And in fact, if you just Can't go to the shorter version. Yeah, of yeah, one? yeah. I was about to say if <laughs> you just Google go... register to vote and print out your copy. Like, yeah, if, if you go to the trans advocate right there on the front page, there's uh, a link to vote. Um, to, I mean, to register to vote. Um, the thing is, I think that it is important that if you think you might be uh, registered, it's just good practice to go and check oh, to make other, sure. The other mm -hmm. thing is that it does not cost any money to register to vote. That's right. There are some people who are running ads that are saying they will register you to vote for like $12. <laughs> Weird. It's called... Okay, they're providing a service of sending you the card that you can get for, for free. free. <laughs> and you fill it out, send it back to them, and they take it and turn it in when you Supposedly. could just send it back and you hope they turn it in because who knows? People make a lot of money off of people's ignorance. 
Yeah. And most of the candidates are actually voter registrars. We've, we've sort yes. of figured that out. Yes. But back to the other major thing, after you're registered to vote, it doesn't make any difference if you don't go vote. Right. That's right. So put March 6th in your calendar, but, I mean, you can also put, when, when does early voting start? Do they do early voting for the primaries? Uh, I'm sure they will. I don't okay. know what the date is on it. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, and then, but the final day is March 6th, so you have to be there and voted by then. And then if for the runoffs, it's going to be May 22nd. And there seems to be like there might be a lot of runoffs. Oh, God, yeah. I think there's going to be more than we've ever had before. Like everything else with this election, the more than we've ever had before is, is really the key. The good news is, is we have a lot of candidates that are actually worth voting for. So show up for them because they're going to show up for us. Absolutely. I can't stress this enough. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and it is before February 5th, then please just register. Take that first step, register to vote, and then show up at your primary to help select a representative that's going to take care of our queer youth. That's not going to support bullies, that uh, is going to support equality in education and in health care. Those are important things for us uh, as a community. So they can't vote, so we need you to vote for them. And this year it's probably going, in Texas anyway, it's probably going to take three votes. Hmm. It's going to take a vote in the primary, then it's going to take a vote in the runoff, and then it's going to take a vote in the general election. So you're saying out of this entire year, you're to change to... the course and to protect our kids, what we have to do is Go vote three times. And oh, my gosh. That's just way too complicated. <laughs> oh. and, if, and if you early vote, you can vote in Texas anyway in any precinct. So you can find something go close to, any place. to where you're going. To. And it probably you will take a very day. short amount of time, yeah. except for the fact that there are so many people on the ballot, it may take you a little while to get through. Hmm. Which, I mean, a little while means oh, like a few more checks on the ballot. It's not a lot, you know. It's um, a whole lot. You'll, you know, th there's a lot of people on the ballot. You you're know, really, yeah, you're really selling it now. We took it from it's so easy I, to it's I an I want people test. to understand. So what you need to do is either write down your own list. That's true. Mm -hmm. Or if you're around Houston, get a caucus card because we'll have our suggestions. Mm -hmm. and, That's and, true. and if there's one or two that maybe you don't like that much, okay, write them on there. Yeah, but right. at least the caucus did the work for you and, and picked who was good and who was going to support and, your rights. And you can put them in your cell phone, except the Texas legislature decided in their infinite wisdom, you aren't allowed to use that in the polls. <laughs> but you can take your paper in, right? Paper you can take. Yeah. As long as it has lots of different names on it so that it's not like campaign literature. But your cell phone is a big no. Hmm. <laughs> What, what do is that like some sort of anti-hacking thing that they probably they thought oh you know someone's going to call the voting machine and hack into they're, it or they're, something they're worried that using the cell phone would lead to people videoing the voting or videoing other people <laughs> and oh gotcha you know, and, and that sort of stuff yeah. and it can be used to assure that someone who's being paid to vote a certain way actually votes that way. And so they're, they, there's actually pretty good reasons because of the cameras and the live feed type stuff. Mm -hmm. mm. But, uh, well, so uh, here in Texas, there's the news, some news that I just read. Um, so Texas Republican Party leaders have censured long-serving Republican Speaker of the State House of Representatives for thwarting their bathroom bills. That would be Speaker Joe Strauss, whom we awarded 
a uh, an award mm-hmm. at the Unity Banquet for doing exactly that. And now he's getting censured specifically by the Tea Party wing in Amer- in uh, Texas politics. I mean, he basically said he didn't want to be responsible for any trans suicide that would result in any more bathroom bill hate being taken on the government's dollar and that he wouldn't take the government's dollar to waste it on time, uh, waste it on bathroom bills. Like there's more work to be done. (laughs) And and I think it's funny. He's one of the most popular politicians in Texas. He's retiring. And so some people who obviously just can't take a win, they decide to poke people as they're leaving, so to speak, decided they would censure him. I think it's probably going to be a positive thing in his life because it's really funny. And for those people who don't know what censuring is, how would, what is, what's the significance of that? It, it actually amounts to absolutely nothing. It, it, it's sort of <laughs> like a memo in your file so that if you later on, you know, try to run for office, people can say, well, he was censured by the, the mm. house. And the next we question. We sent a memo from the house. Yes. And the next question <laughs> that everyone asks is, well, for what? And after they hear what, then it probably will mean virtually nothing negative. Mm. Right. And reading from this uh, Reuters, Reuters, Reuters report, uh, it says that uh, Strauss used his power to block bills passed by the Senate that would have required people to use restrooms in public schools and government buildings that corresponds with their gender on their birth certificates rather than the gender with which they identify. So, of course, that means That's kids. also not accurate. That's also romanticizing the situation, yeah. right? Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, the it, it, hours SB6 of... SB6 and all of those, hun- what was it, 100 and something other ones? And yeah, 128 other ones or something like that. Some, some huge number. But, but he didn't block them. What he did was not put them on his special agenda like Dan Patrick did so that... <laughs> the rest of the House could consider them and decide whether it's something that they thought Texas needed or not, and they decided that it wasn't. Well, the report says, businesses from Halliburton to Apple lined up against the bathroom bill, saying that uh, they discriminated against transgender people and would hurt recruitment efforts in Texas and tarnish the state's image. Which, that part is true. I mean, when we were up there at Lobby Day uh, for the... uh trans advocate was it that we were surrounded by a ton of students and teachers just trying to get teachers paid appropriately oh right 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 right, right. Mm -hmm. there were plenty of environmentalists trying to talk about i don't know flood control that we could have focused on i mean he's absolutely right absolutely right i remember that with the bathroom bill i mean some time like a hundred and however many bills and a special session like they have every right to be upset and also to support that he didn't like take more time. Does that make sense? Like people, does that make sense? We had other things to take care of. (laughs) Yeah. And when you look at it, what happened in the Senate was that the uh, Lieutenant governor has 10 slots. He can put bills in that take them out of the calendar and they have to be considered earlier first or when he puts them in. So slot number one is the budget. Everybody puts the budget first because they want their money. That's fair. Right. That's fair. <laughs> it's really simple. <laughs> I like it, to get paid. If too. they weren't getting paid out of that budget, I doubt if it'd be up there. But at any rate, they want their money. Well, Dan Patrick decided to use several of the additional slots for bathroom bills. 
Right, he also right. knew mm-hmm. that if it passed, it would put Texas in the courts. We would be paying lots of money for lawsuits. And mm-hmm. the money goes to outside legal counsel. Yeah. Frequently, it turns out that the people who are deciding who we use outside legal counsel use firms that their partners in. Uh-huh. <laughs> they don't get the money right then, but it's sitting there waiting for them later. Well, and they also don't get any other time used for any other topics. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, and my real question is, are these really the most important items in Texas? No. Well, no. I mean, and it, the, the thing is, trans people have been in Texas for forever. I mean, forever. And now it goes back to what you were talking about the last podcast. Marriage equality happened. These groups were around, looked around, looked at each other, went, oh, shit. How do we raise money? We have to attack somebody else now. Mm -hmm. And and went, oh, those trannies. They're after your girls. You're after your boys. They're going. It's the same shit that they were saying about uh, homosexuals uh, in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. It's the same thing that they're just rolling out against trans people now. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I think this is a good reason to get money out of politics, but I doubt if it'll ever happen because <laughs> the money that's in politics wants to stay there. Yep. Plus, <laughs> uh, wasn't it ruled free speech? Money is free speech? Uh, it was. And so there's A, no limit, really. And B, you can't even find out who donated it. <laughs> Uh, Jeez. It, kind of make that we need to make that work for us well yeah and i think we're going to work on that but, <laughs> well i applaud strauss for saying we didn't have time for that and we didn't need to make time for that because well, they only meet once every two years I'm, I'm sort of glad that we literally have not had time to set up taking his award to him and presenting <laughs> it because now that he's been censured i like him a lot more well hell yeah <laughs> and and you know it, it's the type thing where after we finished all the stuff we're doing with trying to figure out what are who are the good candidates in the primary and those sorts of things, I think that'll be one of the things up front, and I think it'd be really cool if maybe other people helped us present the award to him. Hell yeah. I'm not sure who the other people are, but other politicians might be sort of interesting. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. You know, we... I, I have phone numbers for a lot of them now. <laughs> a whole lot of them. Like 130 of them? <laughs> well, uh, no, about 217. Whoa. <laughs> and in keeping with this, like, so, you know, that's backlash here in Texas. Uh, up in Michigan. What's going on um, there? Yeah, so there's a it's school cold. board. That's yeah. what's going yeah. on there. <laughs> I live there for that's a while. That's about it. <laughs> yes. So um, up in Michigan, there's this school board that had the audacity to go, hey, cis and trans kids, they don't need to be segregated. They're equal, and we're going to treat them as equals. And a bunch of people went, (gasps) oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, you're going to be raping little girls and little boys in the bathroom and blah. You know, the people who do that, can't even tell which is which and we're at a time of day where equality is associated with rape isn't that weird well not from people who basically have the attitude that that's what they would do so this school board uh let's see i think it's four members yeah four members of the board of education are facing a recall petition and the petition was approved uh, the petition calls for the recall of the board members uh, for their support for amending the Williamson 
county schools policy to explicitly prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity? Well, interestingly enough, in small school districts, recall petitions are really frequent. <laughs> Seriously. I, I was talking to someone who was facing one in one of the small school districts. This has here about 2,000 students. Yeah, again, small school district, smaller than one Houston school mm, by a oh, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, <laughs> were <laughs> they were facing a recall. And, and the problem is it takes very, very few names on a petition to kick off a recall election. And in this particular school district, it took less than 100 names on a petition. Well, that's just not hard to get. And so according to them, it's not a big deal. They are asked, they're asked for a recall. They're, they're, they try to recall them at least once every two or three years. Hmm. This person, by the way, was under a recall petition, and they were trying to recall him because he actually believes that science should be taught in schools as opposed to pseudoscience. Oh, no, no, no. So here in Texas, we... In Texas, we have the Republican Party who put in their party platform that critical thinking should be taken out of schools. Well, that's because they can see Is what the Republicans are doing. Schools? I mean, let's be fair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it still? I don't. I really don't think that it is. In fact, when we're screening with the political caucus, one of the things that we tell a lot of the people who are like, you know, what do you want to see happen? We're like, please just stop dumbing down our youth and our people. Like that way, they don't buy into this propaganda anymore. It's clearly that this is all a intentional effort. Of course, I, I mean, you want a dumb population that won't generally vote. Right. That makes yes. life easy because then the elite get to decide everything. But yet you still want people to solve the world's problems at some point in day. Yep. But there are some Republicans who actually are sticking with the traditional Republican values and saying, I'm not leaving. They aren't running me off. And we can talk about that after we get through February 3rd. <laughs> meeting. That's good. Right. I would love to see a whole lot more than what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is a whole lot of uh, Republicans kind of kowtowing to the very worst instinct that is, are, can be found in the Republican Party, which is authoritarianism, this white ethnostateism, that, you know, this xenophobia, this. Well, it's sort of what the new version of the Republican Party does. <laughs> Now, there are people who will say that that's not what they do, but that's okay. It, it, it's all in what you can perceive. You know, uh, the other day I looked up uh, the Republican Party platform of the Eisenhower administration. It's very Look, interesting. looked pretty democratic, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. I mean, there was like, hey, so security is awesome. Uh, unions are pretty pretty cool and we need to keep government out of all of that kind of stuff that's going to collective bargaining is okay uh you know people should have health care we need to work on that and get health care for everybody and blah 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 i'm thinking this sounds exactly like democratic rhetoric and and that's what the traditional republican party believed and it seems like what that flipped with the Southern strategy and all the Dixiecrats became re Republican, which led to you, you where all we... the KKK folks. Yes, exactly. The 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 Klan Democrats became Republicans, and 
this is where I think that's like the poison pill that the Republican Party swallowed back in the 70s that led us to where we are now. That's part of it. I mean, there's been a lot more happening than the Tea Party came in and remobilized it. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about a party that has a group that is so far to the right that even the far to the right people aren't far enough to the right so they actually <laughs> vote against it. I mean, the Republican Party right now in the House can't really pass anything because the super conservatives don't think the conservatives are conservative enough. Right. That is that the Freedom Caucus? That's, that's the Freedom Caucus. <laughs> the names they come up with for and, the shit. <laughs> and, and it's hilarious when you know our survival in law and, and the, the way that a lot of the laws that we really don't like and, and are targeted at, at everyone that's not a Trump Republican, the way they don't get out of the House is because the Democrats and the Freedom Party won't vote for them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the Republicans don't have enough center-type people to vote for them, <laughs> with center being extremely right. <laughs> there's an argument that says that they have to produce something because the people who got them in those seats you know, want to see that they could work together to some extent, but do you think there's people who paid them to not work together? Or this is just their angst well, against no, one I think that that's the Freedom Caucus. is like, you know, we're the party of no to everything, to re Republican centrism, traditional Republican values. We are the party of, you know, the ethno state. We are the party of, you know, authoritarianism, xenophobia. And if there's, there's no support for those values, we're going to say no. And you think about it, they were too far right and too radical for Ted Poe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ted Poe's leaving. And, and, you know, he dropped out of that caucus and then decided that given that everyone running against him is raising more money than he is, not, not actually everyone, but several people are, that it really wasn't going to be a fun year. <laughs> so we got the no's, and people, you know, those people don't have term limits. Is that correct? They do not. There mm -hmm. are no term limits. But they do have to run every two years, all of them. Oh, so we can vote. <laughs> We're Again, getting back to we, voting. We just went right around the circle. There. So basically, we just all jumped the fence, and if we're on the non-Republican side, and we become Republicans just for a minute, and then we vote. Now. <laughs> What's well, the consequences well, of jumping and, and, the wait, fence? Wait a second. And Isn't can, that illegal in some states? Some states you can't do that, but most states you actually can now because it's this whole freedom of speech <laughs> thing that you know you get to choose. Yeah. So let's say you know you voted for somebody who just happened to be a Democrat, that doesn't necessarily put you in the Democratic Party, does it? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, this, this is, if you vote in the Democratic primary, then you cannot vote in the Republican runoff. And if you vote in the Republican primary, you cannot vote in the Democratic runoff, which actually makes sense. Sure. You know, you, you've picked your party and you've picked the people you're supporting. But next year, you can vote wherever you want again. <laughs> and the only place it will start to attack you is if you decide to run for office and somebody who's an opponent of yours who's never done that will come out and say, well, do you know that so-and-so voted in the other primary in year whatever, whatever? So when hmm. we talk about primary dates, we have one primary date. Yes. And can you explain what a primary, uh, like the, the process of a primary election is? So like, this is my, I'm like super interested now in voting and I got my card. Like, go well, for it. What do okay. I do? The primary is not run by the state. It's run by the parties. Now, the okay. state does a lot of things to help the parties run it. But mm -hmm. the Republican Party and the Democratic Party run their primaries. Other parties could run a primary if they had enough interest 
but most of them do like a caucus or a convention or some other way of picking their candidates because primaries are really expensive. Oh, okay. So, so what happens is that the Democratic Party takes all the Democratic candidates for all the various races and says, okay, we're going to hold an election to figure out who we like. One of the differences with the primaries is that you can end up with runoffs. Mm-hmm. General election, you generally can't end up with runoffs. It's like the person with the most votes gets it. Right. Now, some states, that's not true, but, you know, you have to check the laws. But with the primaries, most people actually run in the primaries to get into the runoff. That's their whole thing. And then they'll really go all out for winning the runoff because you're only running against one person. Uh, In the primaries, you might be running against eight or nine other people. So the chance of getting 51% or 50% plus one vote, which is what you need to win it outright, is pretty slim in a lot of the Mm. races. So So, go ahead. Well, whenever I, so for instance, I voted in a primary between, uh, let's see, it was Obama and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I voted and, in that one too. And that was a very, uh, that, that was very much like a regular election. You went and used the machines and stuff. But then I've heard of like, you know, sometimes it's just a room of people. And oh, the no, people... no, no, no. Nope, that's a caucus. That's different. Oh, okay. Okay, and so fact, explain that. The the Democratic Party in the uh, original primary between Obama and Hillary Clinton did both. They decided that, you know, one wasn't good enough. We'll take a certain number of the delegates and we'll elect them with a primary because people were criticizing them for not allowing people to vote. We'll take the rest of the delegates and do those with a caucus. So if you really wanted to count, you'd go vote in the primaries and then you'd show up the night of the election for the caucus and caucus for who, whichever candidate you wanted. Okay, so now a and caucus, I caucus for Obama, I might add, because I didn't like Clinton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, uh, I picked Obama as well. So, um, uh, so you're so a caucus is like a room full of people, and people kind of vote by going over to one side of the room or the other. Um, sometimes and there's or, a lot of let's say there's four or five candidates. Okay, which there can be because it's a primary caucus. Then. Deals are being made. You will get Clinton caucus people or Clinton delegates that, that want to be delegates. And, and at this point, you're picking delegates to the state convention. Mm. You'll get people that want to represent Clinton going over and talking to the people for candidate X saying, you know, if y'all come over here, we'll make sure that we actually give you slots at the convention if we win. Oh. And then the Obama folks will be going over doing that. And the other people will be going doing that. Okay, so... It, but, it's deal time. <laughs> but a primary election is not that. No. It's not that no. complex. A primary election is just like a regular election. You go in, use the voting machine, go through that process, and that's it. Yeah? It, exactly. And you will have to tell the people at the polls which party you're voting in. Oh, okay. And your voter registration card will be marked, plus the computer will have an entry that says you voted in Democrat or Republican primary. Now, at that point... So you tell them which one you're voting in? Yes, you have to. Oh. Because I would be sitting here thinking, like, we're only giving one date for a primary. And I remember... I I have voted in every election ever since I turned the age to vote. But I never really remember, like, saying that part. Like... You know, I just show well, up and say, here's my ID, and I'm but, ready to vote. And I have my caucus card in my hand. Sometimes, like, and I expect it'll be this way with this, there'll be a different room for Democrats and Republicans, usually at the same place. Sometimes yeah. not even at the same place. So if you show up and you get in the Democrat line. Oh, and I always vote for early voting. Does that take yeah, it early, 
early voting, it's the same thing. You still have to tell them. But if there's enough people <coughs> that they think are going to be voting, then they'll split it automatically. So you get in the line, and you've just sort of told them. You know what's oh. interesting? I Last night, I got a one of those robocalls, um, you know, hi, we are looking for registered voters to uh, survey, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay, you can survey me. <laughs> okay. And uh, she's like, okay, hi, are you going to, um, are you a registered voter? I'm like, yeah. And she says, um, uh, will you be voting in the primary? And I said, more than likely, yes. And she says, okay, in which primary are you going to be voting Republican or Democrat? And I told her, Actually, it's not Republican. Uh, and uh, she went, oh, well, uh, all, all of the slots for that particular party oh, cool. are filled up. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they'd been surveying the, the area, I guess the zip code that uh, uh, I live in. And uh, for the Democratic primary, all of those slots that they could have for that survey had been filled up. They were looking for only Republican primary, and they had not, they, they <laughs> hadn't found enough of those people. So yeah, basically they, you're saying you live in a good neighborhood? <laughs> well, I, I'm saying that it seems like, A, I live in a neighborhood where people are engaged politically, which That's is good. good. Yeah, they did fill it up. And uh, B, that, uh, you know, the the neighborhood that I live in look at Trump's policies and go, yeah, that's not the country that I want to live in. Well, you know, there there are several neighborhoods like that because this part of Texas, especially, has been gerrymandered to the point where everything is uniform as much as possible <laughs> in every district. And so, if you call one of the districts that was gerrymandered to make sure that only that district gets Democratic votes, then the other 17 that you could have talked to in or the 17 districts you could have surveyed that are going to be Republican because they put all the Democrats in one place aren't going to actually have any Democrats. So you got to go over to one of those. So when so, did they redraw the lines? Uh, they redraw the lines after every census. Oh. So the mm-hmm. year after the census. Ten years? Yeah, it's every 10 years. Okay. So, tw- you know, 2020 will be the next round, and, and the legislature then redraws them. Now, the cool part is that if the legislature fails to redraw them, which very frequently they aren't done mm-hmm. by the end of the legislature, then there's a panel of five people that get to decide and Ooh, sort of do it powerful. themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, it's only if the legislature blows what's going on. And which, in our state, they could take up some time with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> that, that I don't think is you know in doubt. They will not get it done. So at, at that point, there are five people that do it. That would be the governor, the lieutenant governor. Um, oh, damn it. <laughs> well, hang on a minute. There's, there's also the, the last of the five, and I'm trying to remember who the other two are while I'm saying this. The last of the five <laughs> is the uh, general land commissioner. Uh, okay. That, that no one's ever heard of, but has amazing, sort of like a county commissioner, has amazing amounts of power that just no one has heard. Is this the guy who restores the Alamo? Yes, he, the Alamo. <laughs> the Alamo is the land commissioner's job, oh. as well as all of the minerals that the state of Texas leases to everyone, and everything else that is a piece of property in Texas that the state owns or has anything to do with. That's a big job. Well, so I, I want to kind of refocus a little bit. 
Last week, we talked about how to specifically go out and target, target vectors of hate that are directing uh, hate towards us. And I think that your, your points were dead on. And, and I thought and I, that your ideas were beautiful and sound and time-tested. It's just that we never do. We, people who are queer, have never done it before. Well, number one, we don't organize ourselves well. <laughs> That's the history. <laughs> you it's know, true. I mean, about the time we think we're getting organized, someone decides they want to go stealth and never wants to admit they've ever even been in our community. <laughs> right, and, right, and, right. And then six other people get all upset because they've lost a friend, etc. And then someone new comes in who knows absolutely everything, though they have no clue what the topic <laughs> is. And, and so, yeah, we, we are not the best organizers around. <laughs> we also, for some strange reason don't want to let other people sort of play in our pool, so to speak. So I've noticed that if we have allies that would be perfectly happy to help get out of my pool. Yeah. We, we're like, Oh, but you aren't fill in the blank. It doesn't matter what That's it exactly. is. Enough, you are not, you are not perfect. Or, or we decide we have to stick 17 labels on them. None of which are terribly complimentary. We're kind of starting to sound like the people we don't like. That's well, sort of my problem. It, it's, it's like, but don't we complain about these sorts of people? Right. So, and, and, and oh, so, you know, I, I think we have to do a slightly different version of organizing. And that is that, that we have to look at attacking what they do in general and understand that it affects lots of people other than us. Well, so my point is, for instance, the stories that we covered uh, just a minute ago about people facing recall elections and people facing um, censure and stuff, even though... You know, but the truth is, like, after Hero, some of the people who voted for Hero on our city council, you know, they were facing a political price for doing so. And, and you know, honestly, there's nothing wrong with that because that's the way our system works. Sure. What's wrong is when someone takes the things that happen and they start lying about it and they start ruining people's lives by, you know, saying things that are simply not true. That's not acceptable mm -hmm. and that's something that they should pay for that because like it or not not all the things that people say are protected especially when they're lying and 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 just saying oh well that's false news that i'm lying no it's not in most cases hmm. and most of these things are quite provable and, and someone needs to actually call them on it and say you know let's go do this under oath <laughs> Let, let's just go to court and let's just have you say that same thing under oath and we'll just show you the proof that it's false because then it gets really serious because it's called jail time. <laughs> oh, perjury. I think that's the one, yeah. You place your hand on this book. It's especially a really popular thing in Washington these days. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we all know that things spread from the East Toward the west, <laughs> and you know, unless they're coming from the west toward the east, uh, you know. But but you know, we're in the middle. We catch them from both so sides. So if I understand you correctly, you're saying that not only should we use this tool to go after people who are spreading misinformation. For instance, when the hero battle was going on, they had that stupid fucking commercial where the little girl is going into the bathroom 
by herself in a lumberjack lumbers after her and like goes into the bathroom with her and you know the implication is he got to do that and will face no legal repercussions because he sometimes how supposedly identifies as a woman that's that was that that's the problem now okay, the other so, side of it is that the statement was made about that that the, that this had happened x number of times in the last 6 months but that seems to be the mo uh for for every right wing like political play they choose a group whether it's gay people or whatever and they're going to steamroll the idea of equality for everyone uh, because I think that's the dangerous idea to them is that they will be equal to everyone else. And I think the, the thing about it is if they attack that and they don't lie to get their way and they don't lie in a way that hurts people, then that's okay because that is freedom of speech. Sure. I mean, I can say, you know, I don't like people that wear <clears throat> pink. And I don't want anybody, I want a law that says nobody that wears pink can come within a thousand yards <laughs> of any public building. <laughs> and if people say, well, why don't you like people you know, that wear pink? It's because, well, I don't like it. And, they, and if they say, well, have they done anything bad? Well, other than make me upset, no. That's fine. You know, it, it, it's like just no problem at all. On the other hand, if they start to lie and say those people do really bad things, then that's not okay, and and somebody needs to do something about it. And I think that's we we're going to have to start doing that, basically to make it a little bit more difficult for them and put them at more risk. Does that mean that we'll get pushed back against? Yeah, but interestingly enough, we've had a lot of pushback during the last well, forty yeah. years or fifty years. We and always have pushback, and, and no matter what. And it's like, guess what? Take your shots. We've sort of had them before. <laughs> well, and I guess that's the thing. I, I, I guess that's... I, I mean, I sit here and I'm like, so between the two of us, it's like, so somebody's going to call us really bad names. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is new? I don't think so. Which ones haven't I gotten yet? <laughs> <laughs> and if they have something new, it'll Anything probably be new? interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, or they're going to claim that we did really bad things because we're trans. Well... Okay, this isn't really new. <laughs> that kind of brings it back to the pronoun thing when people make such a big deal about it, or they're or they're they're they have anxiety about getting it right. It's like, listen, we can tell the difference between if you're trying or if you're not, because <laughs> you're not hating us or trying to kill us. Like we're still in that world. Yeah, yeah, like we it, can it, tell the difference if you're trying. And, and you know, and it, it's sort of like the voting thing. I my big thing is that if you want to kill me and that's part of your platform i just can't yeah, vote that, for that's you that's a red line I, the, the rest, rest of it i, I don't even care about yep. Yep. Uh, if, you, if you take the human rights off the docket i might actually have to research the educational <laughs> policy i haven't even gotten to the flood damage support that's needed i'm just worried about who's gonna kill me or who's not gonna kill me and i don't know why i need to worry about where i have to pee and, and it's funny because when, when i've mentioned that over the last year or so as we're looking at all these elections and everything and people go and check out some of the things I say, which I want them to do. They come back and they're like, wow, they really did say things like that. Yeah, they really yeah. did want to behead you. And I'm like, exactly. Uh -huh. And these are people that are running for office places. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's sort of cool that people go check. 
That's uh-huh. the whole idea because it's like, yeah, I know this sounds so incredible. I check too, but <laughs> it's really easy to find. It, it's not hard. And, and when you find it, you're like, oh my gosh, no wonder these people have all sorts of problems and, and worry about everything and, and are a little paranoid about some things mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's not a nice situation. Now, the other thing about it is that it truly feels a little bit normal. It's not, not a, oh gosh, I'm afraid to stick my head out of my door, et cetera. And I'm afraid to let people know where I live because guess what? Dealt with it for a really long time. <laughs> and there's lots of people that know exactly where I live <laughs> and, and all that. And that's, that brings us to the importance of like sharing the podcast, sharing resources, sharing your own personal experience makes a huge difference. So people don't feel like they're alone and they know that, you know, they're not hiding out or they know that they're cared for. It makes a, it makes well, a big difference. And I think that what you're, what you're talking about, um, I think that, would make an, an, an enormous statement because the moment some bigot gets sued, that's news. Exactly. And it sends a message to every kid, every teen, every adult who's struggling to understand, oh, well, it isn't that my hands are completely tied, mm-hmm. our hands, our community's mm-hmm. hands. We can't do anything about this. We have to just take it. Every right. day, day in, day out. That sends a powerful message. And it's right. like Phyllis Fry was saying about running for office. Even if you lose, your story was in the news. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that would be a good place to uh, just play that clip because it's just a beautiful clip. So let's listen to a little bit of uh, Phyllis Fry tell us how it's done. Thank you very much. As all of us sit here and drink and eat and listen, and the time goes by, you're thinking, when is there going to be a bathroom break? (laughs) Okay. What would have happened if the bathroom bill had passed? No, I'm serious. What would have happened if the bathroom bill had passed? I guarantee you that Dan Patrick and his minions, and we know who they are in the city of Houston because they fought against the Equal Rights Ordinance, they would have hired constables down that hall checking your ID. They would. They would see it as a duty That's how important it is. Now, if that law ever does pass, I've already talked to the chief of police, and he said that he would be more than glad to uh, arrest me in front of the cameras so that we can get the ball rolling. All right. So, yeah, I, I just love... Phyllis. And, and you know, the hard part is going to be proving damage because you have to prove damage. Sure. But I really think it's provable. Sure. A lot sure. of this stuff is really provable. I mean, just given some of the hate emails uh, <laughs> 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 we've all experienced, and, right? And, and, that's and pretty that's provable. The thing that, you know, there, I think there will be a point in this when we go out and start to collect typical damages. Mm-hmm. And then the key is that 
you generalize them like the other side does all the time and it becomes a huge number. <laughs> yeah. So we just wanted to take a moment and highlight some of the great shares that we're getting out there. There are people who have expressed to us that they're really thankful for um, listening to the podcast. And one is Luella Jolie on tweets. She's tweeting out that we have fantastic work and keep it up. Those tweets go a long way. Sharing the links to our podcast go a long way. Rating our platform, the listening platform that you're listening from goes a long way. It makes it searchable. So when people put in trans anything like, help, I need to find trans information, the trans advocate will pop right up. Um, we look forward to reaching out to more people with the trans funding for disaster relief. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to hearing from anybody else that actually needs that relief. Right, right. Uh, we're going to be focusing, I, I don't know, when Alexis gets some more free time in her calendar after the caucus, <laughs> we, we're going to be focusing this, this more on our... calendar um, time's filling up really fast. We, we sat so. there and said, where did January go? We said, to the candidates. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much it. We literally, uh, Alexis and I in a screening panel for the political caucus, like we're here Saturday to Sunday. Wow. And she was uh, scheduling people throughout the night because apparently people like to schedule their meetings at like three or four in the morning. <laughs> One thing that I have learned is that for the candidates that are the more viable candidates, the candidate and their staff are up most of the night. And, and, and I, I tend to do things at 2 or 3 in the morning to send out emails and things, and you get immediate answers. And then when they figure out there's someone they can work with to finish something out, suddenly they're calling or, or doing something like, else. Like, hey, and, you're up? Okay. And, and it's almost like there's this you know group of people that are bonding together with that or something. Late night camaraderie. This yeah. is where it but starts. I just want to say, I mean, it, just how interesting this little nexus of what we're doing is. I mean, we're sitting in a, a place, a physical space, where... You know, all of these politicians have come in <laughs> to, yes, <they> have. <laughs> to, to, you know, meet and talk about um, their positions and to talk about how they uh, see uh, the trans community and what they think about equality for everyone um, and to make those connections and uh, show them the trans ad, the uh, the uh, archive in some um, cases. And, 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 you know. Not all of them are what I would consider totally favorable. Sure. But that's good, too. I mean, the, the, the person who is probably the least favorable uh, <laughs> actually was a fun discussion, and he thought it was, too, because according to him, he actually found some people who would disagree with him and argue with him. And we had so many people ask, these are, they're like, they're, these are really good questions. Oh my God, these are great questions. Like, and they emailed afterwards and said they had a really good time because they could finally talk about stuff. And, and you know, the, and the, the, the thing I think that makes people nervous is a lot of the screenings, apparently they only ask the questions that are on the questionnaire. Um, well, we don't need to ask those. We, we've we got their answer. That's yeah. just to give us some place to We can to start. read. Yeah. And, and people are like, well, do you ask the same questions from all the candidates? The first one, usually. <laughs> After that, I don't think so because it depends on what they say. Right. And especially if they say something that's a little weird. And, and, and you know, it, it, and that happens. You know, they'll they'll be saying something, and suddenly it'll be like, so. A minute or two ago, you, you, you said that. Let's, let's, let's back up with you. What do you mean by that? You know, they 
tell someone that maybe someone needs to just step aside. <laughs> they're they're going to get a lot of questions, and I'm not going to go on about what they want. The, the first question was, how do you feel about trans people? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try again? You're at the GLBT political caucus table. <laughs> you know, but there are candidates that you're like, okay, the fact that, the, the name is GLBT, Political Caucus, mm-hmm. should give you a little hint. <laughs> and well, and it's the, just like, you know, we really can't trust you to be a, any sort of representation for us if you're not going to do the work. Like, you have to know who is interviewing you, how to answer questions. I mean, that's just bare basics. I don't even care how much mm-hmm. money you've raised or haven't raised at that point. Like, I just want you, like, to be coherent in the conversation. <laughs> and, and, you know, the better candidates are, and they're really good at it. Those, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there are some people that it was uh, great talking to one politician that um, said – well, you know, I could really make a difference in having prep be um, accessible to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought, wow, this is the first person who actually said prep right. as like a uh, in support of uh, the infections of HIV that keep going up. Pre-exposure prophylaxis. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's some questions on the written questionnaire about HIV and education mm-hmm, and spending mm-hmm, money. Mm-hmm. And this person, you know, here's what I and can do. They said something to the effect of like, you know, no, in the end, in there's a written uh, answer and then they were actually talking about what the what they wanted to do towards HIV and that they wanted to have PrEP be accessible uh, to more people. And so I said, well, how do you see that actually happening? Because there are a lot of barriers to access to PrEP, yes. even if you wanted to use it. And mm-hmm. we have an increasing rate of um, HIV specifically in Houston. And, and so for people who don't know, PrEP is basically an HIV medicine that you take once a day and it's almost it almost acts like a daily vaccine meaning that if you take it uh, the chances that you become infected are quite low meaning that if you have an accident meaning the condom breaks something happens your your rate of infection uh, is considerably reduced that doesn't mean that you can't get infected, because you can, but the rate of, reduc- of, of infection is greatly, greatly reduced. Um, and it's a huge breakthrough in uh, HIV prevention. So PrEP is an amazing thing, and if you feel like you might be at risk for HIV, consider getting on PrEP. It's a great thing. And it is. You have to jump through a lot of hoops. Um, you know, you have to go to community providers. Um, right now, I know that there's some programs that you can get on where PrEP is free. But And, and we'd like to keep those programs funded by putting the right candidates in the right chairs yes. and writing the right policies. And But th- it all starts with awareness first. That's my point. Mm-hmm. So if you come mm-hmm. to the table, you should just be prepared with what you can do for the community, especially if it's on the survey. And um, it's really amazing that not only in 2018 that we have a medicine that can support as a, a barrier, if you will, to mm-hmm. or a protection aid, if you will, f- towards HIV, but we also have candidates that are interested in having it be accessible to people. And um, I mean, hello, that didn't always happen from the government. No. That's why a lot of our people yeah, that yeah. could be alive right now are dead. Reagan! You know? <coughs> yeah, <coughs> so and, that's amazing to me. And, you know, the, the thing about it is that even if they aren't people that we endorse, even if they aren't great, 
they either have to stand up and say, I need to learn a little bit about this, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. most of them sort of do, but the few don't, or they have to understand that they really look like they just didn't know enough to be a candidate <laughs> and, and yeah. get any endorsements because that's, that's the idea. But again, it's just amazing. You know, here we are in this podcast having these discussions about real world issues that definitely affect our community and the communities that we interact with mm-hmm. um, and talking about real world problem solving in very specific um, very exacting ways. But on top of that, we have all of this stuff going on where we're reaching out to political candidates and uh, drawing all of those, you know, cultivating those relationships. And those and, are and very important. I mean, you know, it's getting people scheduled and convincing people that they really wanted to come and screen with us. I spent a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Every single one of those was something where you know I met staff I met over mm-hmm. the phone usually but not always and to be clear this was Republicans Democrats anyone oh, anyone, anyone, and everyone. anyone the, that some, wanted some to be some of them screened. were like well you people hate me and I hate you so I'm not going to come <laughs> that's okay guess what we had a conversation and, and there right. were a few people that um quite a few people that just assumed everyone at the table was a Republican or it was a Demo- was a de- was a Democrat, and there are a few people that were Republicans, you know. And we're like, just full disclosure, there's a mix at the table, you know, yeah, and, and you don't I, have to be a certain way. We're and, just here to endorse you or uh, not, you know. And, and the easy way to find was to bring up guns. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, you can figure it out really quick. There was one person that openly admitted on a on a survey that they were a Trump supporter, and I thought yeah. this is awesome because I have not been able to talk to a person that openly admits that they're a Trump supporter. Like beyond the rhetoric and the social media, right? And so I said, I said, that's great. Like, what, why? (laughs) I've never heard why with a really good answer. There's all these closeted Trump supporters. And, and, you know, it's a type thing that we may not like what they say, so we may not suggest they get an endorsement. That doesn't matter. We had conversations, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. nobody was disrespectful in the no, conversation. They no. would have been shut down. No. Yeah, we're, no, we we're had a great like conversation. Yeah. But speaking of Trump, so uh, I looked at the numbers, and it seemed like Trump carried Texas by something like 5% of the registered vote of people who voted about uh-huh. 5%. Right. Now, 5% is... Of the people who voted. Yeah, that's that's... That's not a blowout. And there wasn't a lot of people who voted. Yeah. Well, and and the key, though, is that certain, I mean, our, our general vote, I think, was something around the 30% mm. of registered voters. Mm-hmm. But there were certain groups that just didn't vote. Yeah, yeah. And those are groups of people who could have now, voted, who were eligible to vote, it, and just didn't. It was a blowout because of the way Texas has decided to handle its electoral college. Right, right, right. And, and right. people keep blaming the federal government. The federal government but we did doesn't it to do ourselves. that. Texas decided they wanted to be more important, so it's a winner take all. Yes. Most states are. There's a few states that left it the way it originally was, which is now, you get a percentage. Can you explain? So, anyone who knows anything about the Electoral College probably knows that. Trump won the Electoral College but didn't win the popular vote. And there's various movements in social media saying we should get rid of the uh, uh, Electoral College, uh, that it's anti-democratic, that it's screwing up our all of that stuff. Yeah. So 
Can you explain how it was originally and how it got fucked up? Alexis Alexis and I had at least two calls about this. Because I was like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) why do we still have this and should we keep it? Yes. Yes. Explain to me again. So, so, So to begin with, when the Electoral College started. Okay. You know, each state got... A, an electoral college vote for each one of its representatives <laughs> and each one of its senators. And, and so there was a number that was based a little bit on every state gets two because some of the states that don't have any population wouldn't have many, and then they get the representative. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a very proportional situation, and it still is. The states get to decide how they elect their electors, who are the people who are going to go vote for the president. That's, that's mm-hmm. up to the state from the beginning. Initially, they would elect, they would hold an election, and you would vote for the electors, and the ones that got the highest vote count were the ones that went. So if, you know, 10 people that were Democrats got higher vote counts than the Republicans, those 10 would go. Mm -hmm. And if it was like 10 of those and, and half and half, it would be proportional. So it was almost always proportional. Then the states got into the, well, we want candidates to come and pay more attention to our state. Mm -hmm. What they decided was that since they get to decide how they do it, they could move this to a winner-take-all, and suddenly the candidates would see this as a huge pot of things. So so you're saying that there were states that originally, let's say, okay, so if, if we had the proportional representation that we had at one time, we would have had like, X number, one or two more for Trump, and... Yeah, let's say that we had 100 electors. That's not the number, but that's an easy number to work with. And let's say that we had 51% for candidate A and 49% for candidate B. Right. There would be one more elector, so there would be 51 electors for candidate A and 49 for candidate B. The way it is right right now, candidate A gets 100. Right. So... This is a huge skewing of a difference between the popular vote, yes. which would just be you know, 51%, and the 100%. It, it's like you take everybody else's vote and throw it away. Exactly. I, I really, I've never liked it when it started. There, there are still a few states that don't do that. Maine doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. They're generally smaller states. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the states went back to saying we're going to elect them proportionally, it would always be elected based on the same proportion as the uh, individuals. Okay, so the the in, in your estimation, the, the issue is that they went from uh, the original intent, which is proportional representation. Well, who to, knows what the original intent was? Okay, I mean, right. there, the there, original, that was argued all the, over the, the place. The way that it was originally set up, which was proportional representation to, oh, we want to be more important, so therefore we're going to make it winner-take-all. And so now we're getting to the point where we're like, okay, this isn't working. We're going to get rid of this. And the only people who will count are on the coasts. And yeah, pretty that much. will be the, yeah. the, now, the future of our election. Now the states aren't doing that. I mean, the states are the problem. And the mm-hmm. states could change it. Okay. Uh, the state legislature could change it tomorrow. Okay. But they aren't presupposed to do that because they all think well we're going to win next so we need all of these votes and right and this whole bit but you know there's these uh initiatives that people are pushing to say well once we get to x number then everybody agrees that they'll vote you know they'll, they'll cast their votes a certain way that's probably illegal i mean mm-hmm. with, with 
And everyone says, well, if it was illegal, people would be suing us now. Well, not really, because it's not in. Right. And, and that. So, you know, they're, they're making deals that are probably questionable, I guess. So who knows whether it would work or not. And I'm not sure it's a good idea. I mean, the basic idea of saying, well, we're going to give small states a little bit more of a vote than the large state is probably a good idea. Otherwise, if you went in and said, guys, you know, let's get rid of the Electoral College, then it would be really simple. Uh, Texas, California, and New York would early vote, and the rest of the country can just go do whatever they want. Right. Because we really wouldn't care. And if you throw Illinois in, they really can go do whatever they want because nobody can come close. Right. So do we have any uh, things coming up that we need to announce? Um, just vote. Vote. Just vote. Just vote. Just get ready to vote. In fact, create an event where a lot of your community can vote. Mm-hmm. You know, that could just be really fun. Yeah, take a group of Make trans sure that people. all your friends yeah. are ready to vote. Like, friends don't let friends not vote. That's my, exactly. new, that's my new line. Still, run with it. Okay, so thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye. 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 The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. This episode featured music by Topher Moore and Alex Lane. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America. Visit the Trans Advocate to register to vote, learn more about us, or learn more about our Trans Scholarship or Disaster Recovery Fund.